on May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. The time is always now. Eckhart Tolle and I have spent many hours talking about what it means to live in the now. He's taught me not to linger on past mistakes, but to learn from them and then let them go. But in this podcast, Eckhart talks with a live audience about the importance of living in the now. And I appreciate his sense of humor about it because he jokes that he has a collection of watches that have been given to him over the years that just say, now. Another reminder to us that the time is always now. It's working. But it says the time is now. Totally accurate. <laughs> Over the years, many people have sent me now watches. I have a collection of about <laughs> 10 in, with different dials, but some dials at every hour, it says now, now, now. <laughs> and then I have other that you have to press a button and then it says now and then, and then another button that gives you the time. In our kitchen we have a clock that somebody sent. It doesn't say now but it shows all the, the numerals, the numbers have in a pile at the bottom of the clock <laughs> and on the dial it says whatever. Or whatever. <laughs> It's easy to forget that it's always now and only now. And if you could remember that, not as a memory, but have that as a live realization every moment, or to put it more accurately, in the moment, because there's only really one moment, although what happens in it changes. If you knew that, that's the awakened state of consciousness, you would be in alignment with whatever happens. So the ultimate spiritual practice is to remember that it's now and only ever now and this is now, this is your life. And you may remember from uh, Power of Now or somewhere, I talked about usually when people refer to my life, they say my life, I call that, it's your life situation. 
whatever is going on in your life, connect it with the usual things that are of concern to people, which is your health, your relationships, your work, or lack of it, finances, living situation, usually those things make up your life, my life. But I call that your life situation as opposed to life which is only ever now. Your life situation exists in the mind. You have to keep it alive there. It's important, of course, you have to deal with situations as they arise in your life, but they only arise in the present moment. And when you think about your life situation, you can only think about it in the present moment. It's important to have these two, your life and your life situation, and not allow your life situation to completely obscure your life, your presence, your sense of aliveness, your spaciousness. And there it's helpful to bring attention, to learn to bring attention to your senses. The expression we could use is come to your senses, the five senses, so you become more aware of what surrounds you. Inhabit the body, it's another one that brings you, connects you with life, takes you out of the conceptualizing mind. Be here now, come to your senses, inhabit the body, be here now, they're all one. And then you don't carry continuously with you like a heavy burden your life situation. Of course, you address whatever challenges arrive, you deal with them as they arise in the present moment. Occasionally, you might have to do some planning or some strategy occasionally, but also that happens in the present moment. For the rest of the time, don't allow your life situation to completely obscure, completely stifle your sense of aliveness, your presence in the moment. Because then you walk around with the burden of a very heavy personality. Then you don't see what's around you anymore. You can't truly relate to other humans because you have the heaviness of your problematic life situation. And whose life situation is not problematic? It's in the nature of life situations to be problematic. Of course, you arrange your life as best you can, your life situation as best you can. Yes, you acquire new skills so you can get a better job or in whatever way you improve or attempt to improve your life situation, find a nicer place to live. Why not? That's all fine. But the expectation that at some point life should leave you alone and not challenge you anymore, and that there's something wrong when life challenges you, that's a delusion. That itself, the unconscious assumption that there's something wrong when life presents so-called problems to you, better word is challenges, there's an unconscious assumption and an unconscious resentment and negative reaction the moment you are faced with a new challenge because of the underlying assumption that these things should not be happening. But no matter how carefully you arrange your life situation and no matter how much positive thinking you do, which is a nice thing, you will still be challenged by life. You will still 
experience the polarities of life. You will experience, for example, that every situation, every new situation has its new set of challenges. And you will realize even when you achieve what you want to achieve, the very thing that you believe would lead to ultimate fulfillment, when you achieve what you want to achieve, when you finally get there, you will find very quickly that even that new wonderful situation presents a new set of challenges. <laughs> so you're never left alone. Life will not leave you alone. And so it's in the nature of life to give you challenges in your life situation. So if you could remove or realize the fallacy of believing that such challenges should not occur, then that will improve or enhance your ability to deal with situations greatly. It also will remove the otherwise continuous arising of negativity when you are faced with life situations from big to small with challenges in your life situation. If you assume that there shouldn't be any challenges, you become negative, you say there's something wrong. You resent it. If you believe in God, you can have an argument with God. This is, I can't take any more God. This is, you've gone too far this time. <laughs> or you can draw the conclusion that there is no God because your life would be easier if there were an intelligent God. He would obviously make your life easy and everybody else's life too. So therefore, there can be no God. And the strange thing is that every being, even a plant and every animal, the insect, other animals, any life form, they all encounter challenges to their survival, to their well-being. They all are faced with that. And that's amazing that though they are not unhappy, only humans become unhappy. Animals may suffer, but they don't have the, on top of the occasional suffering, they don't have the unhappy me, which is a conceptual entity in the head. So the unhappiness resides on the human level and the resentment to the challenges of life. And that is something we can go beyond because that is associated with the egoic self in the head that sustains itself, enhances itself through that resentment, through that complaining, through that negativity. It gets stronger through that. Then you can make life situations and other people into enemies. Your present moment can become an enemy. I want to get out of here. And the more you want to get out of here, the more you're stuck in it. <laughs> stuck in your mind. <laughs> so, the challenges of life are an essential part of the evolution of consciousness for all species. You can verify that in your own experience and in your own life. For most of you, perhaps all of you, if you had not had your particular set of challenges in life, you wouldn't be here. I don't know where you would be, <laughs> but you wouldn't be here. The challenges of life, it's important then 
to see that there is no end to it. <laughs> so on that level, life won't leave you alone. But on a deeper level, once you accept that challenges will come, you can, don't have to become negative when they do come. You can actually, oh, there's another one. <laughs> and then it's often through intense challenges, the bigger ones, they drive you deeper. Now, the interesting thing is, it's not the great things that happen to you that make you more conscious. It's, in many cases, the so-called bad things that happen to you, if you deal with them correctly and come to a place of acceptance, that make you more conscious. So there's a, an ancient saying that says, when the ego weeps for what it has lost, the spirit rejoices for what it has found. And so many times you may find that in your life you lose something, death, loss of security, loss of income, loss of health, loss of long-term relationship. When the ego weeps, the, because the ego weeps, it's terrible, but then something suddenly arises of something that had been part of your sense of self has been removed, it leaves a hole, an empty space, such as when somebody close to you dies, you lose your livelihood, your home, it leaves an empty space which is painful from the point of view of the personality. It is potentially also able to, to drive you deeper into the who you truly are beyond form, the unconditioned. And then you experience suddenly, uh, how, can, how can I feel so peaceful suddenly if this, something bad has happened? And yet suddenly you feel a sense of liberation. It doesn't happen to everybody who experiences loss. But potentially, that is always there. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Here you are, BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, let me just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. So, next time a challenge comes, it won't be long. <laughs> then say, oh, there's another one. And then you go with it. You look at it. Is there anything I can do to change the situation? First, the, when you look at it, first the, the first is always to accept the present moment as it arises. Now, sometimes whatever arises in the present moment requires you to take action. And then you look at it. Now, this looking is an important part of it. To look at a situation, it's not necessarily visual looking, 
It means to give attention to a particular situation that has arisen or is arising in the present moment. And then this thing that I call looking is you, you give it attention. In that moment, it could only be a few seconds or a minute or two. You give it attention and that that is a very important thing. At that point, you don't think. If your thinking comes in too soon, you might come to, to very wrong conclusions about what action you need to take because that action will be conditioned by your mind, the old stuff. You bring in the old and try to deal with the present moment by bringing in old conditioning. So you will act according to your conditioning. But if you can give something attention, this giving attention, you face it, you've let go of the inner resentment, and this is the most important thing, you've realized it is in the nature of life to give you challenges. Then when they come, there's no resentment. You just say, ah, there it is, another one. Okay, now even if you say there's another one, you don't say, oh no, another one. <laughs> there's another one, okay. And then you look at it, and by looking, I mean to be in that state of consciousness in which there's an alertness, but not yet thinking. You don't immediately, unless it's a situation that requires immediate action, which is called an emergency situation, in which case you'll do whatever you do anyway. Often emergency situations cut your mind out completely and something else takes over and you take action. And sometimes people do heroic things and afterwards, when they are praised by others, they say, I don't know, I just did it. And then others, it can happen, that they become paralyzed in the face of an emergency. They cannot get out of their mind. And their mind doesn't have time to deal with it. It's suddenly, the whole engine in the head gets stuck. <laughs> what do I do now? And then it's too late. It's, it's, it's happened already and you're dead, or whatever it is. <laughs> You didn't jump out of the way soon enough. <laughs> and there the train was coming towards you. What do I do now? The train is coming. <laughs> so in emergency situations, you cannot think. If you think, you're stuck. And so many people experience actually that the mind gets out of the way and something else presents suddenly. And this happens to people who engage in dangerous activities and love it climbing up a steep wall, mountain wall, driving dangerous cars fast, motorbikes or whatever they do. Anything, any dangerous activity forces you into the present moment. You don't need that. <laughs> and it could, of course, a dangerous activity means it is dangerous. Don't get addicted to just one activity to take you into the present moment then, because then every weekend you'd have to climb up this wall. <laughs> and in the meantime, of course, you're still not present. So if it's not an absolute emergency situation, but a challenge, then it's important. So that means you have a little bit of time to deal with it. Don't immediately go into thinking about it. So give it attention, face it, and now this giving of attention, which I sometimes call looking, it might involve looking or it might not, is this clarity of consciousness with which you look at something, as an entire situation, and don't immediately come to a conclusion as to what action 
you need to take. It's that facing it and looking that connects you to a deeper level of intelligence. In other words, you become still, alert and still. And then after a few seconds or a minute or two, it is likely that a thought comes in that tells you what the right action is. So that's not an emergency, it's just a, it's a challenge. Or it may be that you still don't know what to do, or it may be that you have to become still again after a while and look at it again, and then you may come to the realization that there's nothing you can do, at least for now. There are certain situations that are problematic, and yet, for now, there isn't really much you can do. And then you leave it alone, you accept this is what is, that the acceptance of what is. So, it happens very often when people are not able to really have that clarity of perception, a looking at situation, often people take action when it would be better to leave it alone. Uh, many situations, it depends of course on what it is, many situations are made far worse by taking unnecessary, superfluous or excessive action. Balance in everything, there's a balance that you need to find. But the most important thing, challenges, accept them, even welcome them when they arise because they are great opportunity, especially the little ones. You might not welcome the big challenges, but they are great too. Don't resent the challenges. Get rid of the belief or transcend the belief that you should not be challenged by life, that these problems should not occur. So, questions. It's still the now. And here too. <laughs> I'll start with just the two or three questions on paper. When I'm accepting a person completely, isn't that kind of enabling them? That's a good point. If the behavior of another person causes you suffering, true suffering, not just the suffering that says, oh, he makes me mad. The way he does this every time, the way he eats makes me mad, the way the noises he makes makes me so mad, the, the way he walks makes me mad, <laughs> the way he speaks, just why does he talk like that? It's just makes... Some people have those kinds of reactions and thoughts t towards the person they're living with. And of course, that causes you suffering. That is self-generated suffering, of course. You cannot tell that person, I want you to eat differently, walk differently, behave differently, just do everything differently so that I can be at peace, <laughs> so that you don't make me mad anymore. But then there are other cases where there's actual suffering inflicted. Your partner comes home once a week and becomes drunk and violent. Now, there can be a misconception when we talk about accepting. Accepting is mainly an internal thing, where you accept that this, the person is displaying this behavior that corresponds to his or her level of consciousness at this time. Whatever behavior this person displays, manifests, corresponds to his or her level of consciousness. If he or she were more conscious, they would behave differently. 
So that is a good realization. So internally, there is a realization that the behavior people manifest corresponds to their level of consciousness. Externally, it doesn't necessarily mean that you remain in the presence of that person because you have accepted that what he or she does is as it is. But it could still be that you may need to talk to the person if that helps. In, in rare cases, it may help. And you say to that person, you come home once a week drunk and become violent. I don't want to live with that anymore. I know that you are unhappy and you drink because you're unhappy. So he would say, when he's not drunk, I'm never going to do that again. And of course, that's not how it is because he truly means it in the moment of saying it because he's relatively a bit more conscious at that moment. But the moment he takes in that substance, his level of consciousness goes to the bottom again and he will do it again. So if you speak to a person whether to explain that your behavior needs to change and the way you speak is based on an acceptance of this is what they do, this is what they do according to their level of consciousness. You don't make the person into an enemy. That's really the acceptance part of it. So you don't make the person into an enemy but you can clearly express what is wrong with their behavior and they need to change if that is possible or you remove yourself from that person. Even if you, have a, you might have a work situation where your boss or somebody you work with is very unconscious, and I don't mean the superficial kind of suffering that is generated by your mind through excessive reactivity, but true, a person who truly is out to sabotage you in everything that you do because of his, his ego or her ego is so big, needs to feel superior and sabotage your work, talk behind your back to make people feel antagonistic towards you, all those things that unconscious egos do in order to enhance their own position or their own sense of self. But again, you, will, you see that this person is the ego of that person that is acting. He or she is totally in the grip of their ego and you may try and talk to that person that uh, this is not acceptable if you can. If it's your boss, you, you can't really say, well, you can say it's not acceptable. And depending on how valuable your work is to him, he or she may change their behavior to keep you or may not, in which case you remove yourself from the situation. Uh, it is not good to be in a situation where you're, you're surrounded by unconscious people making your life miserable, even though removing yourself might lead to a period of, might be very challenging, it is better to go into the uncertainty or the insecurity and accept the challenge of insecurity rather than remain in a situation that does give you security but is a continuous source of suffering. So then you have the courage to step into insecurity and that in itself is a great thing to do. The seeking of continuous security stops many people from taking their next necessary step in their lives because they have a fear of un this uncertainty or insecurity in their lives. So if there's something, whether it's a relationship at home or whether it's at work, and it causes you continuous deep suffering, unhappiness, 
change the situation if it's possible, or remove yourself. If there's more, if there's deeper unconsciousness, it actually impinges upon your freedom and your ability to enjoy life, they actually cause you suffering, then without making them into enemies, first speak to them if that's possible. And if that does not work, if their behavior doesn't change, remove yourself. Embrace insecurity if that's what it means. And that in itself, remember, I'm sure you have experienced it already, or if you, some of you may be in a situation either at home or at work that produces continuous unhappiness, and then it may be time to step out. It does not mean you're responsible if you put up with a source of continuous source of unhappiness. Yes, but I need to be responsible. You need to be responsible for your inner state. That is a very primary responsibility. You are of no real help to anybody if you live in continuous unhappiness. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Here you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. Let's look at one or two more questions here. I have a question about stages that we go. Um, I read the first one, Power of Now, changed my life, and uh, then I came to a new earth. Thank you for paradise. And so the stages, you know, the truck, you get stuck, you either accept, and then the next one is you enjoy. And so I already went to enthusiasm. Right. So I found my enthusiasm, what I thought, but then it felt like the ego. So is there a way to know which one is which? It's like, okay, so am I enthusiastic because this is what the universe is pushing me to do? Or is it just me trying to be, you know, oh, I'm the enlightened one. I'm the right. spiritual one or so yeah, on. Yeah, um, yeah. What, um, okay, I understand. Yes, thanks. So that goes back to, in the, in the New Earth, I think I wrote that the three modalities of being, if you're not in one of the three modalities, you're in a state that is uh, not harmonious and egoic or dysfunctional. The three modalities acceptance, you either, whatever you need to do, or whatever the situation is, you accept it. If you cannot enjoy it, there's some things you can't enjoy, but you can accept that this is what is. Acceptance then is that important. Others' enjoyment comes in, enjoy their work, see if you can enjoy it, rather than just accept that anything you do with resentment is a dysfunctional state causing suffering. 
without knowing it, you're causing it to yourself in any state of resentment. But you're doing it, but you resent doing it. You are somewhere, but you do really don't want to be there, but you are there. <laughs> so these are states of dysfunctional states that are actually cause suffering. You cause it unnecessarily to yourself without knowing it. So acceptance, enjoyment, there's a flow in what you do. You are present in what you know where you're going, but you're fully present in the process of moving towards there. The movement is more important than where you want to get to. And then the enthusiasm is the stage that I describe as happening during the creative process. When you are giving birth to something new in whatever form, there can be an enormous influx of energy that I call enthusiasm, which is the ancients believed that there was a a higher spirit moving through you at that time because, I mean, literally, enthusiasm means in God. So, enthusiasm is the state of creativity. Now, your question is correct. It can sometimes, there can be egoic, excited egoic states masquerading as enthusiasm. Uh, and sometimes, at first sight, not easy to tell the difference because you're on a high, you're on an egoic high. But there are some signs by which you can recognize whether or not it's the ego or whether there's a deeper creative process, consciousness wanting to create something through you. One thing you can recognize the ego by is when, when you encounter obstacles to whatever your action is in that state of either enthusiasm or egoic excitement. When you encounter obstacles, if it's the ego, you will quickly fall into negative states the moment you encounter obstacles to what you're doing. If it's true enthusiasm, you do not fall into negative states when obstacles arise. And obstacles will arise in any creative endeavor. It's something that doesn't mean you're supposed to stop when an obstacle arises, then you look at an obstacle and see either you can use it and transform it and incorporate it into what you do, or you can bypass it. That's how true enthusiasm, but the ego gets resentful when an obstacle comes. It takes it as a personal insult. <laughs> so that's a good sign that it's egoic or not. And another sign, of course, is always, but that is more uh, at the, when you're getting towards the end of the achievement, when you have achieved something and it does not satisfy you soon after achieving it, then you know it was the ego too. So you always know the ego, there's a satisfaction but not short-lived when it's ego. So the Course in Miracles actually tells you, you can always recognize an egoic goal when you achieve it by realizing that it hasn't satisfied you. <laughs> Thank you. Of course it makes sense. Thank you. <laughs> we have plenty of time. We're in the present moment. No need to hurry. No need to hurry. It's fine. Hello. Hello. I've been to several of your retreats, and my friend encouraged me to ask the question. Both of my parents were Holocaust survivors, my mother was liberated from Auschwitz in 1945, and my father from Bergen-Belsen. And I had a brother who died in the Warsaw Ghetto there. And 
I have this identification with this collective kind of unconscious where I constantly try to think about what you're saying and how to apply the feeling of there is no problem in the present moment. And I, I go back, it doesn't happen all the time, but when you say that, I think about them and I think, how could they have done that? How could they have said in a state of terror, there's no problem right now, oh. you know? And I think about it often. I was a little nervous to ask the question <laughs> and even to make the statement, but my friend was encouraging me to do it, so. Oh, thank you. Thank uh, you. To the, the main part of your question is, how could they at that time have said there is no problem in the situation that they were in? That's your main question. In, in such extreme situations of such extreme suffering, concentration camp, and so on, and even nowadays there are places on the planet where people are in these situations of extreme suffering, where they, death could come at any moment. There have been accounts of people who, have, who were in concentration camps who have actually broken through to a very deep level of consciousness by being in that situation. So, uh, and it doesn't happen in those cases by telling yourself that there is no problem in the present moment. That is a, would be a very weak statement and not really wouldn't work. But what does work is the situation like that can drastically burn up your ego completely so that there's virtually, you, there's complete self-annihilation before the body dies, there's complete annihilation of the egoic sense of self, and all that remains is an intense presence of consciousness. You are not there as a person anymore. I know that uh, there are a few individuals who have gone there, who have later been able to speak about it, and I'm sure there are many others, a minority, yes, there are many others who, n who never were able, they, they died there, they were never able to later on express what they actually went through, but I believe there is a considerable number of people who went through this, the deepest shift in consciousness that's possible in, in this possibly painful situation, and it actually became totally awakened as consciousness and realized that there is no death. And others, of course, went through terrible fear and died in terrible fear. But the essence of who you are is not subject to death. When we see the dreadfulness of that situation, which is not to be denied, so we also have to see on a deeper level, there is no death. And both exist to knowing that there is no death to the essence of who you are, knowing that from an inner realization does not mean that on another level the situation is not dreadful. So we, we do not, the one does not deny the other and it has to be recognized in its dreadfulness. That's part, in the same way that I sometimes speak of how many people were actually killed by humans killing, murdering other humans in the 20th century alone. Nobody knows the exact figure, 150 million, 200 million. 
humans murdered by other no, natural catastrophes and so in, are nothing compared to that, what humans do to each other. And that's a form of collective madness. The Holocaust is one aspect of that. Uh, and another aspect of that would be what happened in Soviet communism, millions killed. Also in China, millions killed within their own countries, not even in the conflict between two countries. First World War, the madness of that. Second World War, the madness of that. The bombing of cities and entire civilian populations exterminated. Complete madness. So we have to see that ultimately the dysfunctional egoic mind and what it produces. And this is dreadful. You, you need to recognize the craziness of that, the madness of that. But at the same time, if we are able to go deep enough, we can realize that for a moment, regard humanity of consciousness. There's human consciousness, which is the collective of humanity. And every human being is an expression of the human collective human consciousness. And the collective human consciousness is an expression of the universal consciousness. It's one strand one ray in the universal consciousness. So you have universal consciousness, then you have the collective human consciousness on planet Earth. The collective human consciousness is evolving gradually through continuously, through billions of manifestations, humans, they're called human individuals. It's evolving gradually. So. Another way of looking at it on a deeper level is the evolution of human consciousness is a very painful process. It's kind of, it goes to a nightmarish stage when the history of humanity looks like the history of an, it's a nightmare. But it is evolving. So we, it's, we ourselves are expressions of the evolution of consciousness. And knowing that we can still recognize the the madness of what happened, and to some extent still happening. But this is a long answer to, on, on two levels. No, they would not have said there's no problem in the present moment, but perhaps the situation forced them into a state of consciousness that we call presence that they didn't have a name for. That is always the, the possibility when it happens. And then we, for you it's important to derive your sense of self from the arising presence in you, not from the historical past, your own historical past, or the historical past of your family, but to acknowledge it, what happened, but not derive your sense of identity from it, that is important. Otherwise, you get trapped in that sense of identity. Thank you very much. Thank you. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13.
So um, my question is, uh, I've been studying your way of living for 10 years now and kind of getting better at it, I think. But as I get better at it, I find it to be, for want of a better word, sometimes lonely. I don't engage in conversations with people that I would have because I don't want to gossip. And I find it sometimes, especially with my family, and this sounds funny, but if I sit down to dinner with my wife and her mother, I could quite easily be silent. And so I make conversation because I feel strange. And so where is the... Um, where is, I don't even know quite what the question is, but where, where is the, the line between engaging in that conversation to be normal and, <laughs> and sit there silent and everybody thinks you're weird? <laughs> yes. Well, the way I deal with it, I must admit, and people who have been with me and on private occasions like okay, we used to have not so much now after events we had dinners when people would sit around one big table or several tables and people some of the volunteers or the organizers and so on and often people were very disappointed because I sat there and they said very little. They, they thought, oh, I'm dinner, having dinner with Eckhart, he's going to tell wonderful things. Uh, and he just sat there and didn't say very much. <laughs> and that's fine, I was okay with that. I do sometimes engage in superficial conversation and actually enjoy it with people, just talk about the weather. But why not sometimes just go along with, don't again, not the gossip kind of thing, which is egoically motivated. There it's better to, as the Buddhists say, keep noble silence, which means don't speak. When that kind of conversation is there, we're talking about others and how defective they are and uh, what they did and didn't do, there it's better to, to refrain and just be there and not even think you should, shouldn't be talking about that. Just don't feed it at all. Just be there. And if they don't find you interesting, that's their problem. At other times, it might be actually quite enjoyable to engage in just simple, superficial conversations about everyday things, but superficial. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to think of superficial things. <laughs> but in the moment, I usually can. <clears throat> this is not egoic kind of talk, but just superficial exchange of ideas or thoughts and or experiences. But you're right to keep noble silence when it comes to egoically motivated conversations of whatever kind. There's negativity in the background and so on. People just want to feel superior to others who happen not to be there. But try out um, in certain situations, just engage in superficial chit-chat and just enjoy that also. You're skimming out the surface of life and that can be quite nice too for a little while. And and while you listen, you can sense there's something else in them, their beingness. Through your own, you can sense that. And you feel, when you finish, you feel it's been a nice exchange. Nothing important has been said. 
And yet, two human beings came together. You looked at him or her, you looked into his or her eyes, and touched the, the deeper essence of the other, even while you were talking about superficial things. That's more easily done one-on-one -on -one than in a group setting. That's in a group setting that the group generates a lot of that mind stuff. That uh, So it's, yes, if people find you boring, that's fine. It's, it's, uh, and you don't get invited to dinner parties anymore, if that is possible. And you may, there may be other people coming into your life with whom you can engage in other kinds of conversation. So try the chit-chat, that's the guy to... Uh, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh. Okay, one more question. My question is about my mind. My mind is constantly fantasizing. My fantasies are like little movies uh, with anger, desire, fear, and looking for someone's approval. So I, I am very aware of that. So what do you recommend me? <laughs> yes, this is not uncommon to have. Uh, there are many people who, some of their mind activity, and that includes you from what you just said, it's an interesting phenomenon. They experience imaginary situations. It's like a little, as you said, like a little movie in your mind in which something happens. It is not going to happen, it has never happened, but it's happening in their mind. So this is the mind is going wild. It just goes on and on. How do you step out of that here and now? Breathing, little portals, I call them sometimes, into presence. One is being aware of your breath. Now you tell me that you can't do that for just very long because the mind comes in. We'll come to that in a second. Being aware of your breath. Being aware of sense perceptions. Being aware of your inner body. Just stay with those three. It's the breathing. I believe you are able to take one conscious breath. If you, one conscious breath usually means in and out. If that's too long, try one half conscious breath, which would just be the in-breath which means you observe with your inner perception, you observe how the air flows, how the air flows through your nose into the body, to also observe the out-breath. If you're able to observe the in-breath, now at that point you might notice your mind wants to come in with a thought and say something about it. It might say, I can't do it, it might say, am I really observing it? Or am I just fooling myself? So the mind has many strategies of fooling you into believing that you cannot be present. And if you believe in the thought that arises, says, am I, I'm not really present, am I? Or whatever the mind says, don't believe what the mind says, just take attention back to the breath. And then you may be able to do, let's do that now, one full conscious breath, lasting probably about 10 seconds or whatever it is, so we can do it together. So you have to, your attention needs to be on the breath and it takes your attention 
into the body to some extent, into your chest, and then you feel the air flowing out again. So here we go, in. And let's do it one more time. And one more time, even if the mind tells us you can't do it. Okay, that was three or four conscious breaths. Now, were you able to do that? Yes, but your mind is particularly powerful, so it has a very strong gravitational pull. It can very easily demand all your attention back for itself. So you have to know that. If you can experience as now that it's actually joyful, very pleasant, to be observing your breath, acknowledge that it is actually very peaceful and pleasant. Then you will want to go there more often. Without the, and the seduction, the power of the mind to seduce you becomes less. So stepping out of the mind when you realize this totally useless mind activity going on here, you need to realize that. But, but there's enough awareness in you that very often you do realize that is already a sign of awareness. To realize that you're strapped in this noisy mind is a sign of awareness. Because if you had no awareness, you wouldn't even know it. You'd be so totally in it, you would be so identified with it, you would be it. There would be all there is to you, but there is more to you. So there is the awareness there. The moment you realize you have a choice of taking your attention out of the mind, and even if you cannot do it for very long, that doesn't matter so much. The important thing is that you can do it. And the process is there's a separation between mind activity and your consciousness separates from mind activity. Then mind activity weakens and subsides and there's consciousness. And then it grabs hold of consciousness again, and you're completely in it again. And then, after a while, the moments when you, there's a freedom from mind activity, the separation, become a bit, bit longer. And you enjoy it even more, and there's more of it. But in the meantime, for you is to engage in this process of separation, and don't believe your mind when it says things about it. It's not the truth. Okay, the, pro the point is that it's, it's very powerful, so it's like I am so tired of, of hearing myself. Yeah, that's like, good. That's a good point. <laughs> oh, that's a good point to reach. To be tired of, of hearing yourself is a very good point to reach. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you. Engage in presence practice. Walking, sitting, lying, eating, wherever you are, be there as the presence more than as the person. So there's more of you as presence than of you as person. Thank you. <laughs>
I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Eckhart Tolle, Essential Teachings, the podcast. You can follow these essential teachings on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, go to Spotify and follow this podcast. Join us next week for more enlightened teachings from Eckhart Tolle. Thank you for listening. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. 